What's going on, Broncos country? Tanner Lee and Jeff Ryan here, back for another edition of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Oh, Jeff, it just seems like every week the pain and misery can't get worse, yet it finds ways to get worse every week as we're going to cover the Broncos' loss to the Minnesota Vikings, uh, 27-23. Yeah, it's uh, good to join you again, Tanner, as always, but uh, (laughs) this is the... This is the fourth time we're having a brutal conversation about a loss that uh, that really probably shouldn't happen, and it's just you know it's just frustrating at this point. It's almost laughable. It's not. It's not about it because it's almost like. Yeah, it's it's almost to the point where I mean, yeah, it is almost laughable because it's so frustrating. And it's just like when you think it can't get worse, it gets worse, and (laughs) and this one's yeah for the last five years at least speaking is a historic loss around the NFL. Yeah, it was, uh, in the last five years, teams were Owen 99, um, <laughs> when leading by 20 plus points at halftime. Um, and so of course the odds were good that we were going to lose that game. And then <laughs> jokingly, uh, and then, uh, and then Kirk cousins was Oh, 10 and one, um, I believe in games that his team was uh, trailing at halftime by that many points as well. So very frustrating. Um, like you said, laughable is a good word for it. I did not know that about Cousins, so that's that's interesting. But of I'll course... look that up to find out the stat because I want to be right on that, but it's something like that. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Well, you, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's, just, it's a cherry on top of just what the season has been for the Broncos. Uh Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, it's it's. We talk about this all the time. But the Broncos are so close from being a seven th- seven and three team, but unfortunately, they're three and seven. And and like we've said, um, that's what separates the good teams from the bad teams: winning those close games, and making that extra play. Um, and the NFL is definitely a league you got to do that in. So, no doubt. Um, but let's get right into the game, and then we can move on to some other Broncos-related topics and pick some um, Week Eleven games. Uh, yeah, the Broncos got off to a great start. Uh, arguably their best first half of football since Peyton Manning retired. They scored 10 yes. points in the first quarter, 10 points in the second quarter. We're up 20-0 to at half, which honestly felt like they should be up even more. They had a mm-hmm. late turnover in the first half in the red zone, an interception thrown by Brandon Allen, was trying to hit Noah Fant over the middle. Um at first, it looked like a really bad pass, and, and it still wasn't a good pass, don't get me wrong, but watching the replay, it looked like Fant quit on the route a little early, and Harrison Smith jumped mm-hmm. the pass and picked it off. And, uh, you know, I looked at my dad when that happened, and I said, that could come back and bite the Broncos. Because I said, that reminds me a lot yeah. of the interception Joe Flacco had against the Jaguars right before half, and momentum yep. kind of flipped. Or maybe Flacco's yep. was in the third quarter. I don't really remember. Um, either way... I, I mean, the Broncos need at least a field goal there, if not a touchdown. You get a field goal or a touchdown there, you're up 23 or even 27 points. 
Yeah. But like you said in that statistic we mentioned when we opened up the show, teams in the last five years with a halftime lead of 20 points or more were 99-0. and 0. You, 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 yeah. you still think a 20-point cushion is good enough, especially with the Denver Broncos defense. Yeah. But um, that wasn't the case. No, it wasn't. And um, the Brandon Allen – pick you you bring up a really good point i do think it changed the momentum i think it gave the vikings a little bit of confidence to say okay this guy's still a rookie quarterback um he had played really a flawless half up until that point i i say that cautiously because the stats looked very good however there were some throws that he missed um um, on the very first play of the game actually that didn't matter because of a illegal formation by tim patrick who we'll get into he had a nice game Mm -hmm. um Corlin Sutton beat his defenders, which he did multiple times during the day, and Brandon Allen overshot him on that play. Um, and then there was, I believe, a couple other plays that I'm thinking about, too. Uh, one to Sutton and one to Patrick that he overthrew him on on passes that should be touchdowns, um, unfortunately. But very good half from Brandon Allen, considering it's his second <laughs> NFL game that he's ever played and taken a snap in the regular season. I was very impressed with that first half. Kind of just too bad to end the half on the on the note that it did. Um, looking back, looking at the Kirk Cousins stat, it was even worse than what I thought it was. He is 0-10-1, but the stat was that he's 0-10-1 in his career when trailing in the fourth quarter. So <laughs> it's just like we had things set up for us to win that game of 23-7 to at one point in the fourth quarter um, and uh, and still couldn't do it. But really, Jeff, to be honest, I, I just didn't have confidence. I, I kept I kept no. telling my dad, it's coming. I can see this from a mile away. It's going to happen again. And I just yeah. just got those vibes that just we just can't close out games. No, we can. And this time, unfortunately, in the second half, it was the defensive secondary Especially that in the burned fourth us. Quarter. Yes, Devontae Harris on the corner. Um, I think early in the third quarter gave up a big play to Diggs. Um, and then Chris Harris got beat on the long uh, touchdown pass to Diggs later, didn't have uh, help over the top. It was just frustrating. I, you know, I don't know. It was the most, um, I want to say that was the most yards the Broncos have allowed in a half in the last five seasons. So yeah. keep the records, keep bad records coming. Well, I mean, just look at the statistics. I mean, Cousins uh, ended up with a great stat line of 29 for 35 for 319, three touchdowns. Diggs had five receptions for 121 yards and a touchdown. Kyle Rudolph, five receptions, 67 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I was more worried about Dalvin Cook than anything going into the game, and the Broncos shut him down on 11 rushing attempts for only 26 yards. He did have one touchdown, but if you would have told me that before the game, I feel good about the Broncos winning. But, you know, the Vikings are a big play offense, and they did this all without Adam Thielen. So... And that's what really surprised me, is I thought the fact that Adam Thielen was out, I really thought Chris Harris and the rest of our defense would be able to shut down their passing game, which we did for the first cousin. And their, actually, excuse me, the whole Viking offense only put up 45 yards of total offense in the first half. Yeah, um, incredible. It was, incredible, yeah. Yeah, it was a perfect, literally, almost the perfect game in that first half up until that interception there right before halftime. Um, but the second half, like I said, we gave up, I believe over three, uh, I think it was close to 300 passing yards just in the second half alone. So disappointed to say at least. Uh, this is definitely on the spectrum of all-time historic losses that, that we've seen the Broncos have. And this was giving me flashbacks of, I can't exactly remember the year, when we were up 24 nothing in New England. Granted, we were a much better football team than with Peyton. Um, but that probably wasn't too far outside the five-year window. <laughs> that was... That was um... 
That was the year we went to the Super Bowl and lost the Seahawks. Okay, so 2013. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so we're on the wrong side of 20-plus point halftime leads uh, failing um, uh, within the last six, seven years. That's not good. <laughs> well, and we'll get into that in a little bit. No, let's just get into it right now, I mean, why we're on the subject. I, I just felt like late in the game again, offensively, the Broncos are playing not to lose instead of to win. Yes. Yes. I mean, what yes. in the world are they doing on third and seven, for one, running the ball, for two, you're know. giving it to your third third string running back, Devontae <laughs> Booker, who's carried the ball one freaking time all year. I don't know if it was I trying to throw off the defense or what, but that was an awful play call. Just terrible. It's an awful play call when you've already – I completely agree. When you've already lost all momentum and then kick a field goal, okay, you go up six points, whoop do you do I know that in the long run that field goal would have been huge, but again, we had lost all momentum. The crowd was back, um, and the, that play call in third and seven makes zero zero sense. Like you said, you're playing not to lose, and you you, you don't win in the NFL when you do that. Man, and and I know I I'm not the biggest guy on X's and O's as far as you know acting like I understand them as well as anybody. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't. I'm just a, I'm just a diehard fan, and I just speak on what I see with my own two eyeballs, mm-hmm. but I feel like Scangarello's offense is so good at the start of games and halves when it's scripted, but then as yes. the game goes on, he just struggles, and this is just one of those head-scratching decisions, kind of like the running the ball at the, towards the end of the indie game, and, and really mm-hmm. McManus is so up and down, you can't, you can't rely on him like you used to be able to. That 43-yard field goal was awful. It was awful. Um, it was a big miss. would have mattered. I mean, obviously, if we make that um, – you know, we and let's say Minnesota still scores after that field goal like they did, and then okay, we're down one point, and all we need is a field goal instead of the touchdown. Um, so, no doubt, I mean, it's it's really disappointing. But again, it just goes back to the when things go wrong, they go really wrong, and the whole momentum shifted um, after that turnover. Like you said, the wheels fell off the bus. The secondary couldn't figure out what the heck they were doing. That third and seven play call was awful. Then you missed the field goal. On the end of the game, we don't get calls that you know would have been nice to get. Again, not saying that again. That's the reason we lost, but it's just it's time after time. And these four losses, I texted you this. This season might be the most brutal season. I'm not even gonna say that. This has been the most brutal season I have ever watched as a Denver Broncos fan it's, because it's, up and downs. Worse than the 2010 season with the four and 12. It's worse. And what's sad is that we don't have a, as bad of a football team as 20 uh, 2010. But this is worse. They're giving me hope, false hope, that this team can actually do something. And a seven and three football team, it w- we would be a fraudulent seven and three football yeah. team. We are not. Yeah. We're not a the ta- a talented. The talent does not say this team is seven and three. However, I think five might be fair. And I think if four games that have gone completely not our way, if, if you even get two of those, I think that's probably more reflective of the kind of team that we have. And if anything, it gives you more momentum going into next year with maybe a new quarterback who I would like to see. Yeah. No, no you're, you, you're making good points. And uh, one other thing I want to get back when we're talking about play calling, is can, can, can that reverse to Noah Fant be the last time we ever see that, please? <laughs> That's so bad. I am sick it of that. So I mean, bad. he's he don't get me wrong. He's he can move well for a tight end, but that's not yes. fooling anybody. And they've tried it no. at least five times this year, and they try it in the most head scratching times. I just, I, know. I just, oh man, oh, 
No, I, I feel I feel the the anxiety with you because it's it is so frustrating. And what also is frustrating is that first half. I like the creativity. You you saw some different things that we haven't seen in literally four or five years since we had Peyton, um, and that was really nice to see. But then in the second half, you know, we're calling we're calling that kind of a reverse to fan at the wrong time. We're putting Booker in on that third and seven play when he hasn't done anything most of the year. It's just it, there's times to be creative, and there's also times to to play football the right way. And I, I don't think we have that mix yet. And I, I'm praying that we build some consistency with this coaching staff and maybe some positive momentum starts to swing the other way so that we don't have to continue this cycle of recycling coaches. Um, but if this is how this is going to be, this is not sustainable. And I love the creativity, like you said, in the first half. I mean, we saw a reverse to Sutton that he ended up passing the ball down to, I think it was uh... – like Tim, Tim Patrick got that one. It yeah. was a 38-yard pass. And then the very next play, we run an actual reverse yeah. to Sutton. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Uh, that's the guy you give a reverse to. You don't give it to Noah Fant. Yeah. Um, no, no. Put the put the ball in your playmaker's hands. Yep. Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton. And I'm not saying, yeah, and, and we're not saying Fant's not a playmaker because I think he's actually developing really well as, yes. as, a, as the season's been going on. I think he's actually blossoming into that first-round talent we thought he would be, but mm-hmm. he's still not the guy you give a reverse to. Um, no. But looking at the stats, Brandon Allen, we kind of hit on it earlier, 17 for 39, 240 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Not the best day, but not the worst in a very hostile environment, which Dave Logan yeah. and Rick Lewis, especially Rick Lewis, said it was the loudest stadium he's ever been in. They just wow. they could not believe. Either one of them could not believe how loud that was. Um, That's pretty cool They said it was hear. a lot louder than the old Metrodome was. Um, which I've, I've heard nothing Kansas but City, good huh? things about U.S. Bank or whatever it's called. I think it's U.S. Bank Field or whatever up in Minnesota. I've heard nothing but good things from people who have been there. They say it's really neat. Um, it's been a cool stadium to get to. Uh, I thought about it, it at one time, but I'm TV. glad I didn't waste my money. Um, <laughs> well, I, I don't blame you. But I will say, you know, another thing that we've we've harped on this for, you know, a while now, especially this season. But, hey, I think it's worth mentioning. This team is 3-6. and six. And three and seven was, now, three and seven now, but this team going into yeah, that game, yeah, sorry, yeah, it was three yeah. and six. And there was lots of orange in that stadium. Um, and oh, yeah. pretty loud when, when we made plays. So yep. I just think it's, it's important noting that, that oh, this team is not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was impressed by all the orange on TV. Um, yeah. Phil Lindsay at 16 carries for 67 yards. Royce Freeman, eight for 31, Brandon Allen, three for 18, Cortland Sutton, two for 10. Devontae Booker, one for four. Andy Janovich, one for one yard, including his touchdown. He is lost for the season now with an elbow injury, a very gruesome-looking yeah. elbow injury. That's too bad because this offense literally doesn't uh, operate the same without him in it. Um, no, and then, it doesn't. And then Noah Fant had two carries for a loss of seven yards. Um, yeah. And then receiving Cortland Sutton, dude's a stud. I mean, he yep. just—he's a stud. He, he is awesome. He—he he is that dude. Um, he had five catches for 113 yards. Tim Patrick, welcome back. Four catches for mm-hmm. 77. Noah Fant, four for 60. Royce Freeman, one for 14. Phil Lindsay, two for eight. Troy Fumagalli, one catch for his first career touchdown, three <laughs> yards. Nice to see that though out of him. In all honesty, yeah. and yeah. Janovich, one catch for three yards, which is the play he ended up hurting his elbow mm-hmm. on. But yeah, Tim Patrick, um, as a friend of the podcast and the Mile High Report writer. Luke Patterson wrote about this week, uh, have the Broncos found their Robin to their Batman in Tim Patrick to Cortland Sutton? 
I think that they, I don't know if we can make that claim today, but I think that the chances of that are actually very likely. Um, I, I've liked him, Patrick. You and I have talked about this before. He's a nice piece that, um, you know, early in his career, he didn't get a ton of playing time because of Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel and Cortland and Emmanuel. Again, it took most of his targets away. But I think he's a legitimate to threat. And it's interesting because he is essentially, he's the same height as Cortland Sutton and I think maybe 13 pounds lighter. They're essentially the same build. Um, and so what a threat to have two guys that are that tall uh, making plays. I think they're both 6'4". Um, putting both them down the field would be really nice. I, I was worried how we would we would make up for the loss of Emmanuel Sanders because um, um, how I'm sorry our slot receiver I'm blanking on his name Deshaun Hamilton come to his own and hasn't showed a whole lot of promise so no. it would be fantastic I I think I think Patrick has all the makings of being a solid uh, wide receiver number two well and I think I think I could be wrong but I think he's a free agent after this year. So that's big Please. for him to yeah. ball out and stay healthy towards the end, yeah. which he did get banged up a little bit the other day, and I thought he was out for the game at first with a mm-hmm. shoulder. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This poor guy I just know. came back, and now he's hurt yeah. again. But um, yeah. but that's not the case. So thankfully. One other thing I want to say on our offense is it, um, you make a very good point about Janovich being an integral part of the offense. and. The guy just cannot stay healthy. Our offense is so much different, and we can do so many different things with him in the game. Are you worried that this is a guy that's never going to be able to play 16 games? Well, I think he got to be at this point, but luckily yeah. for him, the Broncos extended his contract by three years a few weeks ago, yeah. so the Broncos locked him down for a while because they're really one of the only few teams who uses a traditional fullback still. But, no, just like a lot of the Broncos' tight ends, I think I think you got to be a little worried about that. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough position. I mean, oh, like, absolutely, yep. very fit. So, no doubt, the risk of him injuring, getting injuries, is higher than others. But uh, gosh, I'd love to see him stay healthy for a whole year. Yep, yep. And then uh, on the defense side of the ball, how about Shelby Harris? Three what sacks. I've been what waiting for this Shelby Harris all year, but yes. now I want him to keep it up. Because he's in a contract year. The Broncos are very high on this guy. You know, he came up with big plays the last two years, really, whenever the Broncos needed him to. Mm -hmm. And I want to see this Shelby Harris the rest of the year. Yeah. No, I agree. It was his uh, Pittsburgh Steelers game last year, just very dominant and making a name for himself in that uh, that game last year. This was was awesome to see. I mean, because the Broncos had five sacks. He had three of them. Uh, you had Von Miller get one, which is mm-hmm. nice to see Von get one because mm-hmm. he hasn't had too many. And rookie Draymond Jones out of Ohio State got yes. one. Yes, and uh, worth noting that was Von Miller's 50th quarterback that yes. he sacked in the National Football League. Pretty cool. That's a pretty cool yeah. stat. Yeah. Um, and, and Todd Davis, I mean, if you count assisted tackles, he had 13 total tackles in the game. Yeah, definitely deserves a game He's ball. He's so underrated, in my opinion. He just flies around the field. Yeah. Um, Devonta Harris had eight tackles as well, eight solos, um, and one assisted. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was just too bad. I thought the defense played pretty good for three quarters. Even that third quarter, you know, they only got outscored 7-3. Uh, to three, But yeah. then you get outscored 20-0 to zero in the fourth. You just can't have that. No, and you, and you could tell, even in the third quarter, even though we get a little more in the third quarter, you could still tell that – 
the tide was changing quickly um, and things weren't looking good. There was a play early in the third quarter where we were punting um, and Minnesota got called for a neutral zone infraction when we were up 20 to seven and it actually extended that drive and we were able to waste a little bit of time to make it 23 to seven. And I was thinking that that's exactly what this team needed a little bit of a break to take some time off, put a score down. We were up 16 points at that time. I'm feeling good. I think, by the next time Minnesota scored, it was not until the fourth quarter. So, um, I'm, you know, it's just ugh, it's just frustrating looking back on this game going, my God, there were so many opportunities <laughs> to yep. put them away. Uh, yep, yep. All right, uh, and one thing I want to bring up to you, I've heard a few Denver uh, analysts bring up this week, is the play of Colby Wadman. Oh, my God. He is terrible. 30th in net average for punters around the league. You, can look, you look at the three ex-Broncos punters that are punting in the league currently. Brett Kern is fourth. Britton Colquitt <laughs> sixth. And Riley Dixon 15th. Why well, aren't the Broncos trying out punters? I don't know. I don't know. And I also don't know why. I, I'll still never understand why we let go of Britton Colquitt when we did. That still never made sense to me. I don't know if it was a money issue or what. I, that's the thing, Jeff. I don't understand when it. Denver's philosophy ever since I've been a Broncos fan for the last decade I don't understand the philosophy when it comes to their punters because it seems like they give up on guys who have been consistently good after a few bad Mm -hmm. games or bad season and then they're giving Colby Wadman chance after chance I mean I know I don't I didn't wasn't huge on Marquette King but uh the dude got what four games yeah, and, and speaking of him, of he replied to a tweet that Nikki Javala of the Athletic tweeted out mm-hmm. that said might be punter tryouts in Denver this week. Marquette, <laughs> this is Marquette Ke- Keen's tweet about that. Honestly, Wadman is a good punter, and he is just doing what he's told. Similar to my situation there, it's hard to be consistent when you're asked to change a technique that has cre- created success for you and mentally takes a toll. Keep supporting Jeez. Wadman. Hashtag Bronco Country. Hashtag Kick Squad. I thought that well, was interesting because he's supporting the guy who took his job. Very interesting, especially coming from a guy who has personality flaws exactly. in himself. <laughs> exactly. So, I just thought that was really interesting. Very, so, very interesting. But, you know, it's one of those situations I don't think is talked about enough around Broncos country is the struggling um, it's the struggle of your punter. And, and, and I no, just think I, it needs to – that's a position you can go pick up guys. You can pick up guys from the grocery store that are used to be I'm punters glad. or something. So. Yeah. No, I'm really glad you bring it up. I when when the Broncos won the Super Bowl, you and I had talked a lot about how important our special team play was in during the season. Um McManus and Britton Colquitt that year was huge. I mean, t- flipping and having our defense, you know, having the opposing offense starting inside the 15-yard line all, on almost every series with the defense that we had was huge. Mm-hmm. And this guy stinks. His average was 35 yards this game. And like you see, he's 30th in net punting average. That's it's just you can't do that. Yeah. I know someone has to finish last, but I don't want it to be us. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It's yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's bad. So um, I got a few more things here to cover Bronco later ask you about before we get into picking games. Uh, yeah. There was a report that came out a few minutes before, not a few minutes, a few hours before the game started on Sunday by CBS mm-hmm. Sports' Jason 
Lockin, lock lock in for it. Thank you. Yeah. And this guy's known for clickbait, and he got me to yeah. click on it, I will admit, <laughs> because in the past there's been reports like this that I didn't pay much attention to, and there was more smoke. You know, there's smoke leading the fire. Um, mm-hmm. But it was headlines, Broncos Vic Fangio struggling to connect with players and coaches in first season in Denver. Yeah. Uh, the coaches, along with El- or Vic Fangio himself, Elway, the players have really uh, disbunked this article. 104.3, the fans said there's truth to some of it, but not all of it. I, I mean, I do think, you know, budding heads happen in a football season mm-hmm. in locker rooms. That stuff's yes. going to happen. On every team. So, I don't know. He's pretty much saying I, Vic Fangio's being too mean. I don't. I don't. I don't buy I don't, it. I, don't, yeah. I, I think, you know, I don't know. When I saw that, I was interested, too, to see, like, what the heck? I, I haven't heard any of this stuff coming out of the Denver media. The media, I mean, we're, we, you know, again, before the game, we were 3-6. and six, We're now 3-7. and seven. I was like, okay, sure. I mean, there's been some problems. You know, any team that loses is going to be frustrated. But I hadn't heard a lot out of the media, to be honest. And so I, I read it just to see what the heck he was even saying. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly... The headline is, again, what gets people because the articles, it doesn't give much facts about that at all. Really, the biggest thing was he talked about Emmanuel Sanders' unhappiness and um, hence the reason he wanted a trade, which was actually very amicable. Yeah. Yeah. And, trade and, and, to a better team. And what he was saying. him the way we should. And how he was saying the article was Emmanuel was fed up and quit on the team. And that that's not what all the Denver media has been recording. They've no, been recording he just wanted traded, so LA granted the trade. And exactly. You know so I, I think it was a bogus yeah. garbage article. And um, it got me to, to click on it because, you know, I was just like, oh, what is this? So um, Well, you know, it's interesting reading because if some guy has perspective from sources that, that could have been true, I mean you never know. I mean yep. listen, we're a bad football team. There yep. there could have been some truth. Yep. But, no, I, I don't think so. I think a lot of that is stemming from, you know, even when Fangio took over, he wasn't playing music during preseason or during training camp. Um, you know, he's more of kind of the grumpy old man that he talks about in the article. I, those kind of things, big deal. It's his first season as NFL head coach. He's kind of finding his ground. I, I'm not worried about the, the locker room being a problem. And, in fact, which I don't know you probably going to get into here, um, some pretty cool things in the locker room came together after that's this just last what game I was getting into. Minnesota. Just what yeah. I was getting into, go, and that's where. So I go was ahead. Leading. I don't want to steal your thunder. That's where I was leading. Um, Mike Kliss reported uh, this was told to him by Justin Simmons and Will Parks that Von Miller organized a team dinner Sunday night yeah. after the loss. Awesome. They were talking about how they had great energy all week, great energy in the game, keep it going. Guys showed up from both sides of the ball. Um, they they ate at Del Frisco, Del Frisco's, I believe is what mm-hmm. where they ate. Um, it was an impromptu dinner, and Will Park said, "I've never seen anything like that." What are we three and seven? I think it was one yeah. of the best things I've ever s- seen in all of my football life. They said wow. they had conversations were about different things. How's your mom doing? How's your family doing? Are you okay? Don't worry about that play. We mentioned game here and there, but it wasn't designed to talk about the game. It was designed to keep guys in it. And he's yeah. more on par- more parks on dinner talk. Keep guys in it. Keep guys into this coaching staff, into the culture we're trying to build around here, and that's ultimately to win football games. I think that Sunday night told us a lot about our team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think uh, I think these – Guys are buying into 
the culture. I mean, they're I, mm-hmm. even though it's a three and seven team, I like what's being built here mm-hmm. in Denver. I really do compared to the previous staff. Yes, I I do too. I think you know we've said for a while now that we have had some pieces in place to where we are not we are not one of the worst football teams in the league. We've been a team without a quarterback, without an offensive line supporting that quarterback, um, and with a coaching staff that has been in flux, and now an ownership group that is now in flux because of Bolin's death. So there are some pretty big things that have led the Broncos to get to this point at three and seven, and yet the core group of talented players that we have, I do think are talented enough that if we keep everyone around, getting in, putting in a more consistent athletic playmaking quarterback, a new left tackle, uh, consistency at the coaching position, and eventually the ownership, you know, figuring out whatever the heck is going to go on with that, I think will resolve, literally, those four things will resolve all of our issues. Yeah. Yep. I really believe that. Yep. And uh, and Derek Wolf even mentioned the other day how, you know, they were talking about how this defense could be so special next year. But, of course, guys like him and Chris Harris are free agents. And I, I think they would all love to stay together, but he also understands it's a business. And I, I get the whole business thing. But, you know, there comes a time where you have to say, are we going to be better without this guy? I, I don't see it. I don't see us being better, especially without Chris Harris. Mm-hmm. I, he is such a fundamental, huge part of this defense. And I know he's getting older, but even if we get three more years out of him, it would be worth it to, to keep some consistency. We need to be, we need to be a good defense because if we want a guy like Drew Locke, which we're going to get into, but if we want a guy like Drew Locke to step in and be a winning quarterback, he needs the defense that we have to be able to do that. Yep. Yep. And speaking of Drew Locke, I got some quotes here. Vic Fangio just had a press conference uh, wrapped up about not quite a half hour ago, um, and he was asked about a few different things. I'll just go over a few things here. Um, They moved practices up this week. Uh, He said a couple of the players last week asked them to move practice up, practice times up, so they're trying that this week. Uh, Injury reports, Juwan James and Jeff Hireman are both questionable on 50-50. Connor McGovern, Ron Leary, and um, uh, Reisner are all not practicing today. I don't mm-hmm. like the sound of that, but that's probably more precautionary than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he was asked about playing Drew Locke, um, if it's how important it is to get Drew Locke playing time this year. He said he didn't think it's uh, vitally important. He said the front I don't office, like that answer. <laughs> front office and coaching staff are on the same page when it comes to Drew Locke. Hmm. Boy, I don't know. I I disagree with that statement. I have, you know, maybe it's being a fan, but I I really feel like we have a very good opportunity. This is a team that like we just said is four games away from being a very different team this year. And I do think we have enough talent that if we plug Drew Locke into a system this year to even give him some momentum and let's say win a couple games, that that could be huge and have huge implications for what we do next year in the draft um, and what we do next year record-wise. I because I, I just I don't understand the philosophy of not playing him. Let's say we play him and he balls out. Well, then guess what? Yep. You don't have to draft a quarterback in the first You're round. Set. You can draft a left mm-hmm. tackle. You mm-hmm. can draft a right tackle. You can draft a wide uh, receiver. You, know, you can draft yeah, whatever. Yes, 
it your the options are just so much yep. greater. And yet, if we don't see Drew Locke, I think you probably draft a quarterback in the first round. And I think that's a huge mistake. I do too. As because, of right now, you know, it's it's interesting because it's it's such a quarterback league, and you know, I'm 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 convinced we're not going to see a whole group of quarterbacks like we used to with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, even Eli, Roethlisberger, Rivers, who's starting to decline. Guys like that. Look at all the young guys in the league. Okay, Mahomes is probably going to be solid. Russell Wilson, he's not real young anymore, but he's not old. Uh, Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. looks like he's going to be solid. So does Deshaun Watson. But I thought Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were going to be solid, and we're already seeing those guys decline. Baker Mayfield declining this year. You just never know. So I I get the argument of, okay, even if Drew Locke doesn't play and we don't see what we have in him, let's grab a quarterback. Then you got two young guys, battle it out, and the one who loses you can use for trade bait. But I also feel like then you wasted picks. You either wasted a first-rounder in getting whoever you got to get in the 2020 draft, or you wasted picks by trading up in the second round to get Drew Locke, who you tried to trade up late in the first round to get him. I just think yeah. you have to see what you got in him. And in my opinion, he should be starting not this week at Buffalo. Next week at home against the Chargers, that gives you five yes. games against some pretty good opponents to see what you got. Yeah. Is that a big enough sample size? I don't know, but it's better than two, three, or four games. So y- yes. I think yes. you throw him in there see what happens because – I, I don't get the notion all of a sudden all the members of Bronco country that have flipped on the kid. They all want to see the kid. Now they're already convinced he's not the answer. How? How do you Which know? Which I don't get you how you can make seen, that evaluation. You haven't seen him yeah. play. And when he played yeah. in preseason, he was showing some nice positive things. And if it wasn't for him getting hurt, hurting his wrist in the third preseason game of the year, Brandon Allen wouldn't be even on this football <laughs> team. And, and that's nothing yeah. against Brandon Allen, but it just drives me nuts. No, no I, I, you said it perfectly. And, and, and honestly, I, I think Brandon Allen's done good enough that he proved to the Broncos he can be the future backup. You yeah. know, he's good enough to be a, a a nice backup. He's not a starter. He's he, he's no, a lot he's like not. Trevor Simeon. And I was kind yes. of afraid if he won that, if if he played really well and the Broncos won that Minnesota game, they'd keep sticking him in there, and the Broncos might put, have themselves another Trevor Simeon situation, which they can't afford because no. I just think you got to play Drew Locke, and if you decide he's not the guy. You keep Brandon Allen as a backup. You try to get rid of Locke or whatever, and you you go draft a first-round quarterback because yes. because it is loaded. But the draft is a crapshoot because more times than not, a, the is. quarterbacks don't don't pan out, especially the first-round picks. But I don't know. It just you got you got to keep swinging until you hit. And I I, I want to see what the kid can do. Sorry, I just you know. I, I completely agree. I I I think Fangio's statement on it's not incredibly vital to see him is but, incredible. But maybe he's keeping everything close to the disagree. chest too, because the other day they said I don't know what practice it was. There was only like thirty some reps the quarterbacks took, and it equaled out. Locke took like half with the first team, okay. so that tells okay. me okay, they're starting to work him in. Which I would love to see him active and be the backup this week, activated. Well, but it doesn't sound and, like it's going to happen. Um, no, because they signed. Um, I can't remember his name, but we signed our, a fullback to fill Jano's spot, which basically would have been the spot that Locke could have filled had we activated him. Okay. So I don't think he will be activated this week. I think the best chance we see him, the, the most optimal thing would be to see him, like you said, against L.A. Yep. But I'm getting really worried that that's not going to happen. And I don't get it. I just I don't get it. If they don't start him at L.A., they're not going to start him until uh, the Lions game at home. I just don't Which see. I don't see them pointless. throwing them in to the fire at Houston or at KC. No, no. Let, and that is get so the pointless. kid experience. The kid is from the Kansas City area. You don't tell me he wouldn't get fired up to go in the air ahead and try to beat that team. 
I mean, I I don't want to. Weapons. He's got the weapons around him that he needs. Yeah. I, man. This thing is frustrating I, me to no end. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I will say that I I worry about what the offensive line could do to him. However, yeah, but, look at what Brandon Allen has done. He's yep. looked fine with behind this offensive yep. line. Yep. So in Drew Locks. I don't know if he's as mobile as Allen, but he's a lot more mobile than Flacco was. Flacco is like the Washington Monument when it comes to mobility. Oh my God, so he's awful. No, I think I think I think Locke will be as mobile, if not better, than than Brandon Allen yeah. because he's. I think he's he can get outside the pocket just good, but he can also use his arm a little bit better outside the pocket than than Allen could. Well, so well, you know, there's been whispers. You know, it's all I get a lot of my information from Twitter, and you, you, mm-hmm. more more of it's false than not. But I follow a lot of the Denver media, and there's whispers they mm-hmm. said around the building that once the Broncos lose their eighth game, then they kind of believe they're officially out of it and lock. They will unlock Drew Lock. So, uh, I, yeah. If that's I, the case, we are probably seeing them next week against the Chargers. I mean. Yeah. That, that's all we can really hopeful for right now because this you know, season's pretty much lost and it's hard to get excited about anything. Even though I, I do I like agree. the direction the culture's headed in, don't get me wrong, but yeah. But I agree. I mean, it's it's just such a weird state. Like this team is good enough to beat Buffalo. Buffalo's a oh Buffalo's I know it. Not I know a good it. Seven and three football, when's the last team, time the so... Broncos have won at Buffalo? Oh God, I don't know. I'll look it up. I'll <laughs> I look can't it up while we're discussing. It's, it's been a long time, but oh. but I will say, you know. This team needs to see something new. We've seen a few new things the last couple of weeks. We've seen some things, like you said, moving in the right direction. If we beat Buffalo, which we honestly could, I don't, you know, we're not favored to win. We, we're on paper, we probably won't win. But we're good enough to beat the Buffalo Bills. If we do, you still play Drew Locke. I don't care how good of a game Brandon Allen has. You have to see him. Mm-hmm. You absolutely have to. Uh, the last win at Buffalo came in uh, 2007 in a 15-14 win. Oh, God, I remember that. That was awful. Uh, but the last two trips awful to game. Buffalo, I remember these two. 2011 on Christmas Eve, a 40-14 to loss. Remember, all the Broncos needed to do was win that thing, and Tebow was oh, yeah. horrendous. I mean, oh, I mean, he was bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see if I can even find some stats. Tebow was 13 for 29 for 185 <laughs> yards, one touchdown, three picks that game. <laughs> and the Bills were led by Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then two years ago, in week three, the Broncos lost their 26 to 16. If you remember, yeah. what flipped the whole game was the Broncos were going to get off the field on fourth down. Vaughn Miller sticks his hand out, pulls it back, jokingly yep. to Tyrod Taylor, and they throw a 15-yard personal foul penalty yeah, and flip the whole game. So. Yep. Yeah. This league is a joke. But <laughs> yeah, I uh, I feel like I've I feel better now. I feel like I've vented quite a bit. You yes, and you stated everything so well. I Thank think. You. The thoughts, <laughs> the thoughts that that you're speaking, that Broncos country is speaking, that the fans are speaking, they make sense. Just we we have a good culture. We have I I don't I actually like Vic fans quite a bit. Scangarello scares the heck out of me, and he's got a he's got to get everything going all together for four full quarters. I want to see that happen consistently yep. for a few weeks in a row, but. We can't. We have to have some consistency at the coaching position. We have enough talent. We have Philip. I would say we have enough talent, but we have talented players that can win you some football games if you can build around that. Get a quarterback in like Drew Locke, who just may turn out to be a stud. Yep. Then who knows? 
Might yeah. be might be some fun football. And you know, you know, maybe maybe it's a case we don't see him at all this year or much at all, and they decide not to go with the first round quarterback anyways because they just believe in the kid that much. But I well, that's true. I don't know. I don't that's know. true. I didn't think about that honestly. I'm so terrified. I uh, with John Elway, we never know what he's going to do with quarterbacks situations. <laughs> let's be honest. I just yeah. I just pray to God. And I know in the past we've said, well, you've said, and I would. You know, I'd, I'd accept it in the past, but now I won't. Is Philip Rivers? Um, the dude's oh, gonna yeah. be a free agent, but you know he's he's declining. But that's Elway's done it before with Flacco. Um, but in my I, opinion, I think Rivers' career might be over after this year. So, all I wanted him two years ago. I think we're past the point of me wanting him now. I okay, think his career. Enough. That's just my opinion. I think his. I think the best opportunity for him to have succeeded in this on this team would have been getting him two years ago. Yeah. Um, when there was talk of him leaving, but yeah, that never happened, obviously. So I don't know. I think my only other argument, just to not to keep harping on this, but my only ar- other argument on the Drew Locke thing, saying if they believe in him that much, you know, maybe we don't draft a quarterback in the first round. Well, okay, if you do and you don't play him, and like all the other quarterbacks that have flopped that you believed in after Peyton, if that happens, and you don't take a quarterback in the first round, then you have a whole nother wasted year without a quarterback, without any direction, if Locke isn't the guy. Yeah, and I know. so again, we gotta see him. I know. We have to see him. We have to see him for more than two games. I want to see him against LA. If it doesn't happen, I'm gonna be incredibly mad. It, well it, it, oh no me too me too. And uh, you know <laughs> if if they do hang on to him without much experience or if any at all this year and they don't take a quarterback in the first round any flops they yeah. got to trade every pick they have to get the number one pick in the 2021 draft and get Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Yes, you have to. Yep, you absolutely have to. And it's unbelievable that we're talking about a draft two, year, two years away from now. Yeah, that's but that's where we really are right sad. now. And by that point, L.A. may just be gone if, if, those, if yeah. that's the progression that this takes. Yeah. But, yep, yep. So. Uh, let's hope it doesn't. Well, you want to pick some uh, games for Week 12? Yeah, let's do it. Let's as we wrap this up. Got an AFC South matchup this Thursday night. Six and four Indianapolis Colts after at the six and four Houston Texans. I'm going Houston. I think the Colts are a fraud of a team. I think they've they and yes and earlier, but uh, you, you can't lose the Dolphins. You can't almost lose to the Broncos the way they did. Um, even you know we should have won that game. Um, you can't lose some of the other games that they have lost this year. So. Nope. Yeah, this this past week's win against Jacksonville, I think, was the first game they had had been in that wasn't decided by a touchdown or less on either side. Wow, the win or loss wow. column. So, I'm going with the Texans, especially if Ty Hilton doesn't play. The Colts are not yeah. the same team without him. I like no. Houston at home. Uh, Broncos at the Bills. Want to pick this game, or are we gonna are we gonna do this for for the other show? We can pick it right now. All right, we'll just pick it right now. You know, the the Broncos have played well enough to to win one game they shouldn't win this year. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's true. And uh, Buffalo is the last place I think that we're going to win. I at the start of this year, this was Minnesota and Buffalo were two games I circled as automatic yeah, losses. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, I'm against all of the belief in what probably will happen, and say the Broncos are. You know that something about that dinner, even Von Miller organizing, just That's tells me. That's a good me, point. This group could win a game. Probably so I'm going to go. I'm going to go Denver and twenty nine. 
20 to what? You kind of count it cut out there after 20? So, sorry, 20 to 19. 19? I was actually going to go similar score. Unfortunately, I'm taking Buffalo. And I, I, I swear yeah. to all of you in Broncos country listening, I'm, I'm actually a pretty optimistic fan. I'm just trying to be real. I, I, <laughs> no, think, I, think, it's I think they realistic. find a way to break our hearts again and lose 20 to 17. <laughs> I don't know how, okay. something. And, and, and even going back to this week, last week's, this past week's game real quick, Jeff, we still haven't scored over 24 points in like 19 or 20 straight games. <laughs> know, we man. had 20 a half and couldn't get over I 24. Know. I know. Unbelievable. It's so bad. It's so bad. Uh, Buccaneers at Falcons. Three and seven Let's and see. three and seven. Atlanta won two games easily. This where where was this Atlanta Falcons team all year? They corner? are fighting for their coach's life. Yes, and, they and are. It's, it's showing. And they look good. And Jameis Winston like on the of... flip side sucks. He's hilarious. I love watching he that is guy. He's awful, man. He is the <laughs> worst. He's a turnover He's so waiting bad. to happen. He's so bad. It's just like seeing him limp That's around. That's another quarterback. Him and Mariota, I thought were going to be good after their first year, and they've stunk. <laughs> just never know. But um, I, I'm taking the Falcons at home. Yep. I agree. I'm going Atlanta. Uh, and I'll tell you, this week's. Slate of games are just a lot of them are terrible. Uh, here's oh, one: two and eight Giants at four and six Bears. I don't know who's starting quarterback for the Bears if it's Trubisky or Chase Daniel, but that is one offense that is worse than the Broncos' offense. There's a dumpster fire. Also, and we did them because again, it's a team that. You know what? I'm going Giants. The Bears are so bad. They're such a dumpster fire right now. I'm going Giants on the road. I'll, I'll take Bears at home just because they're at home. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised what happens there. Uh, here's a bad one. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at the 0-10 Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, this, the Bengals are so bad. Put up a nice little so I don't think they're going to win a game this year. No. No, 0-16 looks very likely. They do I'm play the Pittsburgh. Dolphins, but I think the Dolphins are a lot better. So. Yeah. Yep, I'm going Pittsburgh. Speaking of the Dolphins, they are at the four and six Cleveland Browns, who have a lot of drama and are in the headlines right now. But the Browns' schedule gets pretty easy here for the next couple weeks. Yeah, no, I'm going Cleveland. Um, the season for Cleveland has gone exactly, um, not not even home, but mm-hmm. as I thought it would. I thought they would really struggle. You're cutting out, Jeff. I can't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I Can got you your back. Me? Got your back. Yep. Okay, sorry, I'm in a I'm in a weird area. Um, I I was just saying, you know, Cleveland season has gone almost as as I as I had predicted it to. I thought they would really struggle. I had them going two and six to start the year, but with their schedule lightening up at the end of the year, I finished seven and nine. Uh, quite a few games in the second half of the season. I'm going Cleveland in this one to get to five and six and back in the playoff hunt. Yep, I Cleveland beat Miami. I I thought if Miami could have beat Buffalo at home last week, they had a chance to actually kind of untank their way into a still a bad season, but like a five or six win season. Um, yep. I don't see that happening now. Um, and maybe that's because one of my uh, good friends that I do a weekly podcast on Mondays with has a season bet if the Dolphins would win six games or more. He has to do the uh, Ghost Pepper Challenge. Um, oh, no. So I've been rooting hard <laughs> for the Dolphins every weekend, but I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. So no. I'm taking the Browns. Uh, Panthers at Saints. The Saints are a really good football team. They're no joke. You know, I think the Panthers are a good football team. I think we're seeing that Kyle Allen. 
Ah, yeah, it's starting to turn bad it, for him. It, you know, I'm going. Yep, New Orleans doesn't lose at home very often, except they did against the uh, Falcons a few weeks ago, but that might have been a nice wake-up call for them. I think they went pretty mm-hmm. easily. Yep. Um, the um, Then here in this game, you got the 6-4 and four Raiders. It makes me want to puke. At the 3-7 <laughs> and seven Jets. You know, the Raiders have gotten themselves back into position to maybe make a run at it. I, I really would have loved to see Kansas City lose on Monday night. Uh, this would have made things <laughs> yeah. interesting. I mean, I it's sad that it sounds like I'm rooting, rooting for Oakland. But I know. I, don't I know. know. I'm right It'd be there nice with to you. see the Chiefs get taken off their block. Um, well, I think it's funny the Raiders are having success in their last year in Oakland because now they're going to leave that whole fan base. Like, oh, because right now they're <laughs> yep. going to make the playoffs. So they're going to be, oh, we made yeah. the playoffs. See you guys. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. The, the the Jets, um, I will say this, they're a bad football team, but you're going to be surprised here. I'm going with the Jets. This is a game the Raiders should win, but I'm picking the Jets. The, the Jets are going to put on this, this little run, I think, these next couple games to fake their way into looking like they might be able to do something next year. Oh, God. Uh, but it's going to be it's gonna be a joke. But, yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Jets. Yeah, they're not doing anything behind Adam Gase. Um, no. I, I could see that because the Raiders only beat the Bengals 17-10, but I think yeah. the Raiders find a way to win and – Stay comfortable right there in the playoff hunt. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a crappy football game. Lions at Redskins. <laughs> God, is, is Washington – okay, Cleveland – excuse me, Cincinnati is probably the worst football team in the league. Washington's right there, though. Washington is the most dysfunctional of them all. If oh, I'm, my God. If I'm them, they're probably going to have the number two pick. Cincinnati's probably going with the quarterback number one, or at least they should. If I'm Washington, I get Chase Young, and I line him up opposite side of Ryan Kerrigan, get myself a nasty yeah. pass rush going. That would be an unbelievable front. Um, this team's never going to be good until Dan Snyder. Oh, you're right. You He's know, an either, idiot. Either, you know, turns he, he heels over. He and the guy or... who runs the Knicks are the two just Oh, they're the dumbest. worst. They're the worst. Yeah. yeah. No, James Dolan and – and uh, uh, yeah, and uh, Dan Snyder are yep. the worst. No, the Lions. The Lions are a good football team. They're not as good without Matt Stafford. I was gonna say they're um, not. They're, I mean, their record's three six and one. They're a team that finds ways to lose games. Constantly. Yes, no, they should be much better. Um, but now that Matt Stafford's out, that really hurts them. But God, Washington's bad. I'll go Detroit just because I can't pick Washington. I'm going Detroit as well. Driscoll hasn't been bad for a, a backup that's been thrown in there. Um, yeah. I was actually hoping that uh, Purdue grad David Blau would get a chance, but he is the backup now on the Lions. Yeah, but he was know. listed as number two for a while until Stafford got hurt, and then they moved Driscoll up ahead of him. But uh, yeah. I- I'm taking the Lions as well. Um, yeah. Seahawks at Eagles, 8-2 and two Seattle, 5-5 five and five Philly. Why do I feel like this is Philly's must, a must win for Philly? Well, it is because of their loss last week at home to England. I-, I thought last week was a game that Philly – could really a a you know arguably a sole uh, run. I, I really felt like that was a game they could have won. Um, but man, Carson Wentz just doesn't look the same. It's kind of too bad. I, I really wanted to like him, um, but he just doesn't look the same. There, I still believe that defense could be good, but I don't know. Seattle's, Seattle's the, the better football team in this game, but Philly, I agree. I think a must win at home. It gives Philly the edge here. I'll go Eagles. I'm going Seahawks. They've been my NFC champion representative since my preseason picks. I'm with you. I, you know, I haven't been big on Wentz since he got hurt, really. And uh, yeah, I, I thought I was in. I, I was actually one that thought maybe they should keep Nick Foles, even though I don't think Foles is 
that great either. Um, yeah. But he just had some kind of magic when he was in Philly. Uh, yeah, but, he sure um, did. I'm going Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson, as uh, along with uh, Lamar Jackson, are your two fighting for the MVP right now. So. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jaguars at Titans, two teams that both need a win, four and six against five and five. This is such a hard game to pick because I think on paper the Tennessee Titans should win this game. Their defense is pretty good. Their injury is a really good running. Um, Ryan Tannehill's actually come in and played pretty He's better darn good football. He is better than Mariota. He is. It's not he even is. close. He's definitely a lot more consistent. Um, I actually don't hate the Jags with Nick Foles. I'm not a big Nick Foles fan, to be honest. I think he's. I think he's very uh blah mm-hmm. as a quarterback i i agree that in philly it was perfect situation and there was just something about that situation that worked well i don't think he's gonna work in jacksonville i'm gonna go tennessee in this game yep i like tennessee uh at home as well i agree with everything you said about Tannehill and um even nick Foles. but i i think i think tennessee gets it done three yeah. more games left here to pick this is just a puke matchup um cowboys at patriots yeah, gross. I'm not even going to speak <laughs> to this game at all. Pats, move on. <laughs> yeah, Patriots don't lose at home very often. Um, Dak's been playing well. Cowboys are six and four though, and I think they fall to six and five. And Patriots improved to ten and one and are in that driver's seat for the number one seed in the AFC. Mm-hmm. So, good Sunday night game. Eight and two Green Bay Packers at nine and one San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco has been a really nice story all year. I think they're a team. Um, if you remember L.A. the year before they won this, I lost round. you again, Jeff. Oh, you're back. You're back. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Sorry. Just let me know because I'm, I'm you're good. Here in good old good old Greeley, Colorado, you're good. <laughs> ain't, ain't, ain't the best. Um, so uh, San Francisco is a really nice story. I think they're going to have a similar year. As I was saying, like L.A. had the year before they won the Super Bowl where they were one of the best teams in the NFC. They had a bye week in the playoffs and then lost in the divisional round. Um, I feel like they're they're young. Um, they have a lot, a, a, an incredibly bright future, but I think their youth will hurt them later in the season. I think this is the perfect game for Green Bay to turn on the Jets and, and make a nice push. I'm going Packers. I, I like the Packers in the upset as well. Um, I like this Niners team a lot. I've I've been on record saying that I, I really I'm a, I'm a big Kyle Shanahan yeah. fan. Um, yeah. I like the pieces they have there. I, I root for Emmanuel Sanders still. I, I like their defense. I think their defense is nasty. But this just seems like a Aaron Rodgers big time moment game where he finds a way to get it done. Um, but I, I think both of these teams are going to be in the thick of things uh, yeah. in, for, as far as the in, NFC is concerned in, in the playoffs. And then lastly, uh, Monday night game, interesting matchup here. You got the uh, eight and two Baltimore Ravens at the six and four LA Rams. Baltimore's a really good football team. They destroyed very good. destroyed Houston. Killed them. A good team. Kill them. Uh, now it was at home, and and but I don't care. That yeah. that was they they <laughs> yeah. destroyed them. Um, and LA has been such a weird team this year, and I. I know I shouldn't say this, but I still believe in them. I don't know why, because I shouldn't. I shouldn't. They they're so up and down this year. Um, but when you look at the pieces they have, they should be so much better. Um, so because it's in LA, not that that really is that much of a home field advantage. There will be a ton of Ravens fans there. I'm gonna go Rams. They need this win big. They do need it, but I'm going Ravens. I like this Ravens team. Lamar's a stud. Ingram's having yep. a good year. Their tight ends are awesome. Their defense yep. is awesome. This is my biggest um, 
contending team that can contend with the Patriots, and they've already beat them once. Oh, I agree. So no. uh, I like the Ravens. It, I, lo- I love it. Yeah, it's a great point. They're they're the only team I think yeah. that legitimately can make a, a threat at New England, especially if New England gets home field. I, I'm sorry, but Kansas City, they're, they're the next best team to do it, but they have no Going Kansas City's even found themselves in a lot of close games, which is which they against opponents they shouldn't be. So, yeah, um, they're just not the same to me. Um, yeah, I'm yep. going going Ravens, and then your bye week for fantasy football considerations: Arizona Cardinals, Kansas City Chiefs, L.A. Chargers, and Minnesota Vikings. I'm glad we don't have to watch the Chiefs this weekend. I guess or the Chargers, but really the Chargers. <laughs> yeah. the Chargers don't bother me as much as the Raiders and Chiefs. So. Nah, and the Chargers are done. They're done. So, but. Um, Thank you to everybody who listened to this podcast and listens to our pregame podcast, watches all of our shows, including Beers, Broncos, and No BS. Or actually, the other day it was uh, uh, Bourbon Broncos and No BS. I saw they changed the title of it. I don't know if that was just for a week or not. But uh, And everybody who watches Broncos After Dark, uh, the pregame shows on Sunday, reads the vlogs on uh, orangeweekly.com. Everybody who's a Patreon member, we really appreciate the support. We enjoy bringing you Broncos country, uh, bringing you Broncos coverage to Broncos country each and every week. And uh, any final thoughts, Jeff? No, I, I think, um, you know, like Tanner said, appreciate you guys all listening. I think this was a long, longer podcast than we usually do, but, but we, there was a lot of there, good things There, there was a lot, of, a lot of good debate to have. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um the culture is there. I still believe that. Uh, the core is there. I just I want to see Drew Locke. That's my only. That's the only thing I can. Yep. I think at this time next week, um, we're we're either going to be happy at the news that we've uh, found out that Drew, the Broncos have unlocked Drew Locke, or we're going <laughs> to yep. be really ticked off that they haven't, and we're going to be debating once again what the heck the Broncos are doing when it comes yep. to the management. But uh, either way, yep. let's hope for the best on Sunday up in Buffalo. Let's hope we can go in and beat the Bills Mafia and uh, yep. and uh, Allen and all those guys up there. And uh, go Broncos. All right, Tanner, go Broncos.